0: Hello everyone. Today we're going to be thinking about spiritual wholeness. The Bible says that every human being is wonderfully and fearfully made, which means that we are very complex. And it seems to me that we are interlinked with the physical, the spiritual, the emotional and mental issues, together with relational connections. And because of those things, living a whole spiritual life is a lifelong learning process. And today, I want us to understand that to be whole spiritually, we need to recognize that sometimes we need help. We need strong relationships, and we need to make sure that in the dimensions of our life, physically and emotionally, we're doing the best we can to live healthy lives. Today, we're going to look at a prophet who was highly anointed of God, But something happened in his life that caused him to spiral downwards. To live healthy spiritual lives, all of us need some help and a good dose of God's grace. Have a great, great day.
1: I think what we will probably try and do um, during the week is circulate. There was um, a few, last, sometime last year, Howard came and he spoke to the whole church. And there was a letter that we sent round at that time to share with everybody. So we'll probably send that round again because that might be useful for when people are praying. So spiritual wholeness. Should we just pray? Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father God, that it is you that can make us completely whole. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe upon every life in here, that you would touch our hearts, that you will fill us afresh with your presence this morning. We give you praise, Father. We just thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name. So last week, Lucy was talking about mindset, and today we're looking at spiritual wholeness, and we're focusing on Prophet Elijah in First King, verse nineteen. It's a very uh, chapter nineteen. It's a very long chapter, so I'm not going to read it. But what happens in that chapter is we have um, Elijah. In the previous chapter, where he'd prophesied that there will be no rain for three years. And we were at a point where the three years was coming to an end. And he had this thing with the prophets of Baal, which was the false god that was being worshipped at that time. And he said to them, if your god is the real god and he is alive, that you should fill a a trough, if you like, made out of rocks with water and get him to send fire from heaven to burn everything up. And these prophets of Baal spent a long time praying and nothing happened. And Elijah did exactly the same scenario, set the same scenario. And he prayed and fire came from heaven and burned everything up. And Elijah then slew, which killed, all the prophets of Baal. And that's where we're picking up Elijah's story. But before I do that, I just wanted to look at this whole issue around wholeness. Um, I looked at it in the dictionary, and it says, It's the state of forming a complete and harmonious whole, unity. The state of being unbroken or undamaged. At the time when we pick up Elijah's story in chapter 19... He was in a really desperate situation. And in terms of his spiritual wholeness, spiritual wholeness is connected to our physical, emotional, and relational wholeness. And we all know the Bible says that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And if something affects one of those you can't have that wholeness. It's a bit like an egg. You've got the shell, you've got the white, you have the yolk. If the yolk inside is rotten, then the whole egg is not in unity. If the whites around it isn't functioning properly, the egg is not in unity. If the shell is broken, the egg definitely is not in unity. So spiritual wholeness, When we think about spiritual wholeness, there's a danger to think about it, about something up in the clouds. But it isn't. It's actually being at peace. It's about having God's joy in your life. It's about knowing that you're loved beyond measure. It's about understanding that because God loves you, you can love yourself. Because when you're doing that, it would cause you to look at your life differently. It would cause you to communicate differently. It would cause you to be filled with a renewed zeal to be all that God has called you to be. But oftentimes, we find ourselves in situations that take us by surprise. Perhaps you've been to the doctors and you were expecting to be told that you're perfectly healthy. But then they come up with a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. And you're shocked to the core. And everything seems to be scattered all over the place. I remember years and years ago um, before I had Tristan. And um, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I was um, six months pregnant, and I went to the hospital for a scan. It was just a normal scan, and I told my husband to go to work. Don't bother. You'll all be absolutely fine. And I went to the, uh, uh, the the lady who does the scan, lying there, and I could see she kept going like that. And I was thinking, what was she up to? She kept going like that. And then after a while, she turned to me and she said, oh, I I, I need to go and get somebody else. So she goes off, get somebody else. And by this, I'm thinking, if you don't know your job, get, yeah, do get somebody else. So anyway, she got, <laughs> so she got somebody else to come in who was a consultant who looked on the thing and did the same thing. And the woman, the consultant then stopped and turned to me and said, I'm afraid there is no life there. I was six months pregnant. And at that point... I definitely was not in a spiritually whole state. Mentally, physically, emotionally, I definitely wasn't. So as we talk about Elijah's life and what happened to him in that particular time, I want you to be casting your minds back to where God has brought you from. Where you have had things happen that have completely shattered Who you thought you were. And how whole and together you thought you were. When we look at Elijah. He just come from a state. A euphoric state. Because he prophesied over the nation that there will be no rain. And he prophesied back that there will be rain and it happened. And he's actually killed all these false prophets. So you can imagine the state of his mind. He must have been really in cloud nine on top of that mountain, a bit like those um, football fans when their team wins a cup. The energy, the excitement, they're in just free flow, abandon every restraint. But you see, for us as Christians, as God's children, that is the very time That we need to be vigilant. That is the very time. When we need to be sober. In our thinking. Because what happened to Elijah. His mountaintop experience. He then gets a message. From Jezebel. Who is the wife of King Ahab. And what did she say? She said to him. Basically, she's going to kill him. And I can just imagine Elijah's state of mind where he's up there and then he gets this fiery dart that you are going to die. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 talks about being sober-minded at all times because our enemy prowls. is always prowling, looking for that time when you're distracted, looking for that time when your focus is away from God, just on something else that's happened. The words spoken by Jezebel hit the core of Elijah's being. In Africa, we have this saying that says that um, words are like eggs. Once you have broken them, you can't bring them back again. You can't because it's gone. And the words that she spoke to um, Elijah at that time created a reaction in him. Because I don't know, the Bible does say that the words of our mouth, we can speak words of life or death. And it doesn't really matter who you are. The impact of the words will still be the same. I'm sure there's some people sitting here this morning where you have had people speak over your lives. It could have been a parent. I've heard parents talking about their children and saying that one is never going to get very far because they never listen. That one is going to get pregnant before she's 14 because she doesn't do da-da-da. Or this boy is going to end up in prison if he doesn't do A-B-C. Those are very negative words. And when they're spoken over people, even if you don't in your ears clock it, your spirit does. And sometimes words that we speak dictate how far people go in life. Because I've heard stories of people when they were in school, when the teacher would look at them and say, well, you might as well just go and work in a shop. Because you're not going to get very far. I've heard testimonies of people who were told when they're at school that because they're they're slow in catching up, they're not going to amount to anything. And some of them are actually doctors now and doing fantastically well. If you are in an abusive relationship where somebody you are married to keeps speaking words over you that you know are not right, then you need to do something about it. Because faith comes by hearing. And sometimes that faith might not be the right place in the right place. I um, like to know what's going on in the world around me. Because to pray effectively, you need to know. We can't be ignorant as Christians about the political structure or the economic or even things to do with the climate. We need to know because then we can pray effectively. And um, I used to listen a lot to the news at 10. And one day, it just struck me that when you listen to the news, I don't know whether it's just me, but the headlines are always about disasters, or awful things happening, or people dying. I mean, there was a time when it was all about um, uh, uh, road rage, and it always makes you have this siege mentality that if you're out there, you're going to experience road, road rage. Then he moved on to carjacking. Then that went on and on and on, and then there's been the bit about knife crime, and I actually realized that the words that they were that was coming out of the news was beginning to fashion what I'm thinking when I'm going out there. You get to a stage when you're out there and you're driving and you're thinking, "Oh, I better not go because this person might get out of the car and come and smash my windscreen." It actually happened to me once, <laughs> which was really interesting because we were living in Intwood and they had really narrow country roads. And it was very late at night. I was driving home. And this person was coming towards me. And um, so I, I kind of flashed for, for the person to come. But the driver behind me was so impatient. As soon as that person went past, he went right in front of me. But I realized I'd left my headlights on. So I clicked it down. And then he just slammed down his brakes. And I had to slam my brakes down. And I was thinking, okay. And then he got out. <gasps> and I was sat in there. I like, thought, Lord, help me. And I quickly pressed the button to lock myself in the car. And this man came. I don't know whether he realized he was a woman in the car. He came to the side window. And then he peered at. he was so angry. And he peered at me. And I was sat there like that. And then he just walked off, got in his car and went. But I realized that because sometimes what we think about could also become a reality because of what I was hearing. Because I was at that time when road rage was really happening and I was thinking about it and it did happen. And that's because of what I was hearing. So Elijah was threatened threatened with death which made him fearful and what does he do he goes into hiding i know people um a few years ago we used to do healing on the streets i don't know who who was here then but we used to go out on a saturday and pray and preach god's word and one particular saturday i spoke to about three different people who used to be christians And they left the church because of words that people had spoken over them. One was because someone told her because she was a woman, she could not be a leader in a church. And she never went back to church. And I just want to encourage us as God's children, don't ever leave your father's house because of a word that somebody speaks over you. Because when you do that, you are giving the enemy easy passage. So Elijah runs away because he's fearful and anxious. And sometimes in our lives, fear and anxious thoughts can drive us to run away. To run away from situations. To run away from people. Elijah became fearful for his life. And went to Beersheba. Where he left his servant. And continued his journey on his own. Now this is the same man. Who had called fire from heaven. From the creator of the heavens and the earth. And God listened to him. And that fire came down and did exactly what Elijah had said he was going to do. And this same man killed all the prophets of Baal. But the words spoken by a woman caused such fear and anxiousness in him that he ran away. How many situations have we been in? that the words of man, it might not necessarily be in a church situation, it might be in a family situation. Maybe a family member over Christmas says something over you that causes fear, anxiousness, anger, and we recoil into ourselves. Elijah completely lost perspective. And that's what happens when we're in a state of fear and anxiety. We lose perspective completely. I was talking to you about that experience of going to the doctors. I remember when that lady said to me, I can't see or any sign of life. I said to the consultant who has been doing her job for years, I looked her in the face and I said, you don't know what you're doing. You don't have experience. Get somebody else. Because I'd completely lost perspective. Negative fear... What Elijah experienced... Can bring... Can have a damaging impact... On us physically... Mentally. You hear doctors talk about people not getting stressed. Because when you're in a a state of fear you are stressed. When you're anxious, you are stressed. I was walking in Wyndham um, a couple of months ago and this chap, um, I don't know whether he was drunk, I don't know what he was, but it was with somebody else who I suspect was probably trying to shepherd him back home. And it was by the... Um, the insurance, there's an insurance place just as you go into Wyndham. And I was walking on one side. He was on the other side going in the opposite direction. And I was just walking. I wasn't even paying attention. But I just heard this voice that he just stopped. You, you there, you. And he was pointing to me. And I stopped. And I realized he was talking to me. And the other man was trying to hold him. And he goes, you, you there. I'm going to come and get you, you. And he was pointing to me. And at that moment... Because I was in my own world just thinking, the first thing I could think of was to get into the hardware shop. (laughs) And I got into the hardware shop, but as I walked in, I could feel my body temperature was right. That was stress. And I got into the hardware shop, and I was looking around for a blunt instrument, (laughs) I am a woman of faith, I will remind you. <laughs> and I was looking for, because I thought, if he comes near me, follows me in here, I'm going to hit him with this. And, <laughs> and, and the man in the shop, because I go in there quite a bit to get stuff. So he said, oh, you're looking for anything in particular? So I just, I, when I started, I realized the stupidity of what I was doing. And then I laughed, so I said, no, I'm just browsing in a hardware shop. <laughs> but that's what happens. Anxiousness and fear makes us do completely stupid things. But you see there is also a positive aspect to fear. Because it causes our senses and awareness to be heightened, keeps us alert and makes help us to prepare better. Some examples of positive fear is the fear of the Lord. Because the book Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we're crossing the road, the fear of being hit by a car causes you to stop and look left, right before you cross. So Elijah, what he failed to do when he heard those words that created that reaction was actually to cast those words down. Because, you know, when we hear words, they build something, a picture in our minds. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I did, um, I, I've got to say this, I did a video recently, that when I looked back at it, I thought, my goodness, girlfriend, what's happened to you there? Because I looked a lot, Bigger than I really am, in. and I was thinking, and I was sitting there looking at it, and as I was looking at it, this imagination was building up in my mind. Oh, you're going to get fat, and you're going to get so fat, and you're going to get so fat, and I had to think, whoa, stop right there, and I had to straight there and then cast it down. But sometimes we don't do that. We let those words, because they seem harmless to start with. So we let them fester. They take root. And before we know it, we're beginning to act it out. And that's what Elijah should have done. He should have looked at that, those words, and remembered the God that he serves. And spoken to those words and brought them right down. But he didn't. The Bible reminds us that we have the mind of Christ. That is what the mind of Christ would do. It would look at those words and bring them down because they have been spoken. And when words are spoken like that, if you don't counteract it, then you're just laying back for it to come in and make its home in your heart. Evil words are vain imagination. Because they're not real. They masquerade as the truth, but they are not real. Jezebel told Elijah, I am going to kill you. The same God that brought fire from heaven, the same God that listened to Elijah's words when he said there will be no rain for three years, the same God that listened again when he said there will be rain, could have actually done something if Elijah had stopped and thought, no, hold on a minute, you are mere mortal. You see, um, one thing I decided a long time ago, you might not believe this, but I used to be the sort of person, if um, if there was a fallout with somebody, I would stay in bed all night worrying about it. Did I help them? Did I do this? Did I do that? And that became a pattern. And what I realized through that was that the fear of man was beginning to override the fear of God in my life. And I made a decision that is going to change. Because when I looked at man, I realized that actually we're just dust. It doesn't matter how Powerful we look it doesn 't matter how beautiful we look it doesn 't matter how together we look at the end of the day when the time comes, to dust we came, and to dust we will return so where why do we fear man because that 's what happened to Elijah, he was afraid of Jezebel, she was only dust we 're better being fearing our creator, than fearing the created. It is liberating. So Elijah runs. At this point, he was filled with despair. He was fearful. He was anxious. When people stop coming to church, when you meet or go and see them, you find out that it's not always necessarily because they're going anywhere else. They're just nursing a wound. They're just anxious. They're in despair for whatever reason. And Elijah ran off by himself. And he even went as far as asking God to take his life because he said he's not any better than his father's. I looked up Elijah's history a bit, actually, and he's actually mentioned in Christianity, in Judaism, and in Islam. So he was not, by any stretch of the imagination, a minor prophet. He was, if you can say, a big prophet, that God did amazing, miraculous things through him. But he allowed the spoken words of one person to get him to a state where he saw himself as nothing and he wanted God to take his life. This woman hadn't even come to him yet to try to kill him. She merely spoke the words and sent someone to tell him. She didn't stand in front of him to tell him. So Elijah is a broken man, he's exhausted. And he can't see a way out. But you see, when we get to that point, when we've exhausted all our own ideas, all our own ways of dealing with situations that confront us, that is when God steps in. Elijah became so anxious and fearful, he wasn't looking after himself, his physical health. I don't know whether he washed, but he certainly didn't eat. And how many times do we do that in our own lives? When we're troubled, then the first thing that goes is food. And then next thing we don't really look after ourselves properly, then our relationships start to suffer. Elijah was exactly in that state because he broke fellowship with his servant. He left his servant behind and just went on his own. But remember when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and he hadn't eaten and the enemy came and tempted him the Bible says that angels came to tend to him after he had said to the enemy it is written and I want to say to us this morning that God wants to bless us because what he did with Elijah Elijah fell asleep where he was. He hadn't eaten for days. And an angel came and woke him up and said, sit, eat. Now, you would imagine at that time that God would send some miraculous healing and, you know, do all sorts of things to Elijah's physical body and, you know, and his mind and just, you know, there'll be like a flashing light. No, he sent an angel to feed him because his physical body needs sustenance because that is part of being spiritually whole and that's why people who um, suffer from um, eating disorders because eating disorders it is a, a, a mental thing and that is part of being spiritually whole when they suffer that they don't eat so it begins to affect the physical body And when he affects the physical body, they can't sleep properly. Every pattern is out of the window. So Elijah, after he'd been fed, went into a cave and stayed there some more. And God came to him and asked him, What are you doing here? He's still hiding. Even after God sent the angel to feed him, he was still fearful. He was still hiding. How many times do we do that? In our lives, who are we hiding from? What situations have caused us to go into hiding? Sometimes that hiding might not be physical, it might be mentally. You might be a family member that when you see them internally you just shut down. You're hiding. And you're not being spiritually whole. Because there is an aspect of you that is not functioning the way it should be. God wants us in a place where we are spiritually healthy because we know, really know that he loves us just as we are. Because that is, you see, understanding that God loves us would cause us to love ourselves. Because when you look at yourself and you think, with all my stains, he loves me. Well, what is there not to love? It would cause you to start to look at yourself and love you. And when you love you, you can love the people around you. And when you're at that point, you then feel bold enough to go before him because he loves you. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. He loves you. You can go boldly before him. You can pray. You can just talk to him. You can have that fellowship with him. That is spiritual wholeness. When nothing comes between you and God. So... How do we, as a body, apply this in our day-to-day lives? It starts by opening our hearts to him. Those things that we're fearful of. Those things that intimidate us. Because do you know that there are situations that you think about, they haven't happened, but you feel intimidated. Can I just have the... Piano, please. Just the piano. Have the desire in your heart for wholeness. Because that would cause you to submit to God. And when you're submitting to God, you're, you can resist the devil. Make a decision in your heart that you want to be made whole. Be determined to reach out for God's best for you. Because God wants us whole physically, emotionally in our relationships and spiritually in our relationship with him. He wants us completely whole. And I just want to say as you're sitting this morning if you just close your eyes and just speak to him because he can hear you and he's with you, he's in you tell him those things that bother you Those things that cause you not to be spiritually whole, the wounds, emotional scars, the doctor's diagnosis, whatever it might be, we have a God who can, we have a God who is able, we have a God who loves impossible situations because he makes them possible. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, you need to do that for him to come in and make you whole. We're just going to have the um, salvation prayer up and we're going to read this together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. With our eyes closed, if you've said this prayer for the first time, can you just give me a little wave because we would really like to meet you with you after the service. Or if you've said it as a recommitment of your life to Jesus, we want to rejoice with you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for your word that will bring forth fruit in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name.